Blog Talk Radio. Change and it's good to have Eric in the house. You know, Eric, I know you're right there, Arthur. 
It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure yeah, to be here. Man. I smell football in the air. If I'm here, we smell football. It's on. I can't wait. Let's get it on. I, I know that. And I, I love it, man. And I know you got some gems to drop. I got my notepad out. I got all kinds of stuff. I'm, I don't want to miss anything. I'm going I'm to go back and listen to the recording on podcasts, on iTunes. Uh, I'm going to go to the uh, realsportsguys.com site, see if I can catch it again. I'm, I'm going to try and get as much as I can before we get we get into our draft this, this Friday. So I'm looking forward uh, to, to catching all the gems that, uh, that's going on. So it's, it's feeling good. Um, I'm feeling like uh, everything is going right. Um, you know, but uh, you know, we're, we're ready to go. I know you got some stuff that uh, that's going to hit us tonight, and we're going to feel good about um, hitting into some of that. We're going to have some of the fantasy talk. We're going to hit everything that uh, is fantasy, um, and then we're going to come back uh, uh, later and um, you know hit some of the NFL previews and talk about college sports. So I'm, I'm feeling good about uh, about where we're going. How do you, uh, Eric? And I know you got something in your back pocket. Do you got some gems for the folks this, tonight? I got some things that they want to pay attention to, specifically if you want to win your league. If you're not really interested in winning your league, don't pay attention to the fantasy section. But I would suggest you listen to the entire broadcast because we're about to drop some gems tonight. Now I, I know you know before we get you know uh, you know too deep into it before we even go you know what kind of preparation do you do year round just before we even get too deep into our show and like like what's your year like I mean I know you love this you breathe it you can tell by the information you provide folks like how do you how do you prepare for this stuff I think realistically. Uh you you got to kind of stay in tune with it. So even in the off season, you know, an occasional jump on the website, you know, a few of the sites that you may have, a couple of your bread and butters. Uh, you know, for my particular uh, league that I run, we do IEP, which is individual defensive players. Mm-hmm. So I like to keep an eye on what the defenders are doing, what's going on in the off season, who's preparing. And as the season gets closer, you're, you're listening to the coaches. What are the coaches saying about the players? Peter King and those guys, when they're going out to interview in the training camps, what are they saying? What are they seeing? So that's really that really makes a difference between finding those late-round picks, you know, round 10 and round 8, and uh, those are the ones that can uh, take it to the next level. Well, you know, we, we – yeah, and you, 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 Mr. Undefeated. Mr. Undefeated, where you at? Hey, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. Am I coming through clear? Am I coming through clear, fellas? You You're coming, coming through, through clear. You I come, hear you coming, clear. You coming through like like Snoop in the booth. Clear. Okay, okay. I want to make sure I'm coming through nice and clear. Oh, man. Crazy. D. Wills, is, is, he's like merging. This is like the AFL and NFL coming together. He's bringing together two fantasy leagues, doing his commissioner thing. And I'm just trying to come in, you know, like the old Green Bay Packers. You know, we got our swag. We got the titles. You know, I got the belt. I got the people. You know what I mean? We're just trying to come through and, and represent the right way. I'm going to be all ears, Mr. Hamilton, when you get going. Um, this is going to be a great show, bang em up show. So I'm ready to rock. I don't know about you guys. I'm ready to roll. But we're ready. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and, and, and get ready to jump into things. Before we do, let's make sure we pay the bills. 
Uh, Real Sports Guys, the Renegades are brought to you by Frederick's Accounting, XL Academics, On the Rocks, Rockford, Illinois, and Resistance Digital Solutions. All guests and hosts come via the Frederick's Accounting Gateway, Frederick's Accounting, a national accounting service where clients get comprehensive support for their business or personal accounting needs. Frederick's Accounting, the official accountant for RSG. And when you hit them up, tell them the Real Sports Guys sent you. We got a lot to get into, so let's jump right in. We want to make sure we hit all our bases while we have our man Eric Hamilton in the house talking fantasy football and everything in between. We're going to hit some NFL talk. So let's go ahead and jump into the, the funky editorial. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. This edition of the Funky Editorial is brought to you by On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. We are about to get into the changes that have taken place in, uh, in college football. The NCAA, which is supposed to be a governing body, um, is going to allow the five major conferences in college football um, and college athletics, uh, they're going to give them more autonomy. They're going to give them a little bit more leeway to craft some different rules that may allow them to provide more benefits to college athletes, uh, scholarship athletes, Division One scholarship athletes in particular. Fellas, we've talked endlessly about this particular conundrum that exists within the NCAA. Um, we've had Ramogi Huma. Um, we've had Dr. Alan Sack, folks who are at the forefront of pushing a more progressive um, agenda around amateurism in college athletics, whether it's a necessary, whether it's necessary, um, whether it's something that's an antiquated idea. Um, and now I think we're at the point. I think I hear Dan go on, but we're, part of this is talking about building on our talk about some of these uh, NFL uh, decisions that have been um, going on or the NCAA decisions around college football and college sports and all this thing that's been kind of been in the air. You know, where do we go from here? And one of the things that this is going to affect, you know, kind of our future our stars um, that we uh, we talked about here in our fantasy segment, but, you know, the pipeline and what they will have access to as uh, college athletes. Uh, you know, I guess I'll probably start a little bit on this. It, it's been uh, interesting because, you know, I think it's one of those moments where, you know, what is happening, we want to believe guys following that forever. And, and, and my feeling is that back to the team, 20 years that you know, we'll wonder why there have been any kind of changes or moving at least the pendulum uh, more towards the center. Anyway, um, you know, as we talk time with uh, Alan Sack and Ramoki, uh, you know, this issue around compensation is old as at least college football. You know, it started at the turn of the last century. Uh, it was a major issue. And so, um, this is not something that's new to the process. It's always been unresolved. I think from the recent decisions, whether it's the arbitrator around whether it's issues around likeness, um, you know, I think that what what's happening is that the the the, the, the money that's been made has reached a point uh, that you have to figure out uh, if there's a balance, and, and I love. You know, we always are able to get product to 
figures. We're fans of sports radio. But I love listening to Dave Fuller talk about this. You know, um, the philosophy is, uh, you know, uh, product of, you know, deep basketball, which is kind of the loyalty. But he goes at it is, is uh, always impressive. And well, like you said, you know, you're not, a billion dollar business isn't going to go, uh, isn't going to crumble because you have to pay its employees uh, or its student athletes. And so my take on this is that what will probably settle is uh, somewhere around the Olympic model. Now, you know, in doing some of my research, the Olympic model isn't uh, a model that creates great benefits either. It does have a form of payment um, that, that athletes can get on the, based on their likeness, but um, my understanding is that athletes aren't drawing money from the revenue made on the Olympics. They don't see uh, revenue on their likeness. They're tight business on their payments with a gold medal and some of those things. It's not a perfect system, but towards a system uh, like that. You know, Eric, you, I know you spend a lot of time trying to evaluate talent once they come into the league and what's happened, but in looking at this, what do you think is going to be the impact of decisions like this? How do you think it might change college sports? Do you think it's going to change it at all? Yeah, you know, and this is a very interesting topic, and um, before I jumped on the show, I was trying to remember the uh, the author of the gentleman that uh, that jumped on the show, and you mentioned it was Alan Sack, uh, in regard to um, the book that he wrote, and, and last time I was on, or one of the last times I was on the show, we had this discussion. So I, I think, you know, we're stepping in the right direction, and I think this is something that was well overdue. Um, seeing the amount of money that and revenue that's generated from the NCAA from, you know, March Madness to this new, you know, the BCS bowl system or playoff system that's in place. I mean, you've seen this this monster just grow out of control. I mean, this uh, in NCAA, I mean, it, the amount of revenue that's generated is just astronomical, and uh, it's not going to change. So for the talent and going to the next level, um, you know, the hope and desire is that we can get away from some of the things, you know, for athletes that are, are going to school that they don't have to do things on the side to make ends meet or make money, right? So they get some kind of stipend. So in theory, the logic behind it is hopefully with this, with the stipend or the, the money that they receive, they can more properly focus in on school and football or basketball or whatever subject or uh, sport that they're playing. So I'm hoping what that does is provide a little bit more um, – scrutiny slash diligence for the athletes to make the transition to the next level a little bit easier. Um, maybe to help them get a better understanding on the finances, right? So we talk a lot about, about you know, sports players, rookies, et cetera, not being able to handle money. Maybe being able to get these stipends and however it's going to be distributed, maybe this will help them, again, prepare for the, the money management and such like that. Because obviously going from, you know, high school to college and college to the professional game, the dollars that's associated and the money that you're going to be making changes <laughs> drastically, right? So, uh, again, the hope is that, you know, the, the, what they're doing, we see it as a step in the right direction, and we hope that it can just kind of take that to the next level. So I think it's a great thing, and we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, and I also think, you know, in the end, um, I think what it may do and how it may affect what we're looking at from, fan, from a fantasy perspective is you may see some guys 
staying in longer. Um, you know, the financial need may not be as much of a burden for guys. And so some guys uh, stay longer. We, we had a record number of underclassmen, particularly juniors, come out this past year. Um, so maybe those numbers are curbed a little bit. Maybe some guys stay, get a little bit more seasoning. Um, and maybe they uh, have more incentives to stay and prepare themselves a little bit more, less incentives to chase the money and, and get on that first NFL contract. Um, but the rookie wage scale plays a bit of a role into this as well, um, as now, you know, younger guys can't just jump in and make a ton of money right away on their first contract. So guys want to get that clock started right away because if any, if any sport has a shelf life, football for sure, um, puts a shelf life on, on, on your body um, for a lot of these young guys. So thinking about this a little bit further, and I want to transition us um, into talking about the mid-major and how does this change the game for the mid-major. I want, I want to get your final thoughts on this particular topic as we think about where, where do mid-majors go now? Um, is, is, that a, is that going to create too much of an imbalance, or are we going to see guys coming from mid-majors, those unknown prospects that, we see in the NFL that come from the mid-major, are they going to just sign on at a, a, a Power 5 conference, a Power 5 team, just to get that little bit of extra, that little bit of extra dough? Whatever, whatever the incentives are, as they start to flesh, flesh these incentives out, are they going to sign on one of these Power 5s and be the third-string guy? Um, how is that going to affect kind of what we're looking at from a fantasy perspective where you don't have those mid-major guys who – um, maybe get a lot of experience, may not, maybe not a lot of exposure, but they do get a lot of experience and they come in maybe sometimes a little bit more ready to uh, contribute right away. You know, guys like Greg Jennings, who was a mid-major guy, uh, you know, came in, got in there, and right away was a contributor. So what do you guys think about that? D-Wills, I want you to start. Yeah, I'll jump in, Mark. So I think that uh, a lot, you know, with the mid-majors, Again, you know, I think if they keep in their eyes that you, you have a top prospect, right, and if they have their eyes on the golden prize, which is the NFL, um, a stipend for two years, stipend for two years, I don't think that's going to be enough to for them to want to go and be a third or fourth string running back or whatnot just to get that stipend. So I think when you talk about the competitive balance and will that shift, I don't think it's going to be – to the extent that uh, that it may be rumored to be, because again, I think when you talk about the elite level or the, the elite schools, um, they're trying to attract the elite talent in the country, right? So everybody that's playing football in the collegiate level, they can play ball, right? They were the best of their particular high school or that region. So I don't think it's going to create an imbalance. I do think that uh, you you may see guys sticking around a year or two longer if they are transferring to these larger schools because they may not be ready. So if you take a guy that's coming from a, a WMU like a Greg Jennings and he tries to transfer to you know a U of M or something like that in Michigan, uh, he will most likely have to stay another year or two because he may be redshirted because he's really not ready. And uh, because of that stipend, he wants to go to a larger school. right? So I think it will have a domino effect. I mean, even if you go back and think um, when the NBA put the, the one year in college rule in place, right? so that, that changed what, for, what uh, some of the players were doing. You know, the bodies and, and, you know, such may have been ready to go to the NBA, but since the rule was in place, that one year of college, mentally a lot of players weren't ready to go to college. Their bodies weren't physically all the way ready, 
um, like you see with Jermaine O'Neal is a, a great example. So the guy, you know, tremendous talent, his body and mentally he wasn't really there, even though he could play ball, right? So I think it's going to have a domino effect, a chain reaction, um, which obviously we won't know into the future. But uh, hopefully we'll get uh, guys maybe staying a year or two and getting that mind further developed. Agreed, agreed. And, and, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if it becomes more of a kind of a dog-eat-dog kind of a situation. Um, Because now with the playoff format, the big dogs don't really want to schedule what may be perceived as some of the mid-major cupcakes. You know, you're not going to see, you know, the U of M's, the Wisconsin's, the, and you've seen it now as, as people try and position themselves with the eye on this playoff coming. In particular, it was very interesting to see uh, Barry Alvarez, the athletic director at Wisconsin, make some moves as far as signing on to some big games, which is not the way Wisconsin has done business in the past. They're starting out their season playing yeah. LSU. They have a contest um, set up with Alabama. Now, Barry was privy to these conversations. He was kind of on the committee that was thinking about this, that was kind of thinking about this whole playoff thing. So he saw it coming and started to make some moves as the athletic director to kind of position his program to be in position to build that resume, that that tournament resume that college basketball teams have to be thinking about and considering as they plan their non-conference schedules. Now you're going to see more of these top five conferences, these power five conferences going after each other, which I think as fans, I think that's going to be great. I think as, as for the players, I think it's also going to raise a little bit of the level of competition. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're right on. I think you're right on. So, again, if we look at this business and this monster that we have of NCAA and we look at the playoff system and how it's changing now, and you are right. If you've got your Bamas taking on your Auburns, your LSUs, et cetera, more often, uh, that is going to raise that level of play. You know, So I think for the fan. I mean, we're going to get a better ball game, right? So we're not going to get as many of the, the blowouts, right? In a lot of college football, you see your 78s to 10, you know, those kind of scores. And I think if the, you know, the top conferences are battling for each other, you're going to see a lot less of that, which means you get a, a more competitive game. You probably get a larger audience paying attention to it, not just the casual fans or the fans in that particular state. So, again, when you look at the domino effect, I mean, we're stepping in the right direction. Everything from, you know, the, 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 the proposed stipend that's in place and everything that's going to come along with it. I'm excited. I am as well. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm always a little bit down on, on college athletics. I think, you know, it's holding on to some antiquated ideas, in particular amateurism. But overall, um, I'm excited to see where it can go and where it is going right now. Um, so we're going to wrap up. This edition of the Funky Editorial, again, the Funky Editorial was brought to you by On The Rocks and Rockford, Illinois. Make sure you hit up our man, Craig Sockwell, at On The Rocks. Um, great establishment, food, great people, great music. Make sure you check them out. Tell them the real sport, sports guy sent you. Uh, we're going to get into uh, – we got to bring you in properly, Eric, all right? got to bring you in properly. You have your own intro. <laughs> the rest of it, for about the next about 45 minutes or hour, we're going to let Eric kind of do his thing. I'm going to set him up. And we just gonna we're gonna ice on him on the on the wing and let him go to work. Alright? So we gotta bring you in proper life. It's game time. Let's do it. Fantasy football life. Eric Hamilton. R A G. Fantasy football. 
very unique sound, almost European. K-Zoo, My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. Football Sensei, Eric Hamilton. Anytime he comes on, he kills it. With this information right here, man, you're going to be able to go over and rest your lead, man. Get in the cypher. <laughs> yes, sir, we have the K-Zoo fantasy football guru in the house. Eric Hamilton is going to get into some fantasy football topics for the next 45 minutes or so. Again, glad to have you on. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Eric, you know, Ph.D. brags and brags about this great league that he's in at True Run, this great fantasy football league. It's the IDP league. He just rambles and, and raves on and on and on about how this league is, how great this league is. It sounds like you're running a pretty tight ship. It sounds like you're running a ship that uh, is a lot of fun to be on. So why don't you lay out some of your guiding principles to running an elite fantasy football league? Yeah, absolutely, and I appreciate the intro, man. Y'all, <laughs> I like that introduction. Y'all bring the heat. You know, first and foremost, man, I look at this as, as kind of anything you do, right? You want to be a part of something that is not only entertaining, it's fun. You feel like, um, you know, there's some integrity there. It's competitive. So I think for a new commissioner starting out or, or what I try to do is I try to run the league like I would want to be in the league and how I want to see it run, right? Hopefully that makes sense. But you want to be a part of something that, that's nice and comfortable. So when I put together the league, there were a couple things that I wanted to do. Number one is I wanted to have a good time. So I reached out and I, you know, through trial and error, you find your friends and find other, other people that are out there that are competitive. And as you know, with fantasy football, you're going to get some people that are checking their rosters, you know, once, twice a week, and you'll get those that are on it three, four, five, six times a day. And so eventually, slowly but surely, you begin to weed out those managers that aren't really uh, active on, you know, updating their rosters. And, you know, we've gotten to the point because we've had this league going for about 10 years where our league is maxed out. It's at our 12, and we we consistently have those saved 12 or at least 11 out of the 12 back every single year. So that was the big thing. And the other thing is I always talk about is as a commissioner, you want to – it's all about protecting the shield is what I say, the old Roger Goodell mentality, right? So it's all about the integrity of the league. And so if decisions need to be made or something needs to be done, it all goes back to protecting the shield. And the last thing is listening to the managers, right? So your managers are always going to say something. There's always something that they want, right? They want to do something different. They want to keep it competitive. You've got to be able to be humble, listen to them, and make changes on the fly when need to, right? So the way that we kind of operate is, I'll set, you know, a couple of rules up here and there, and if, if they want to overturn or add anything to play, point system-wise, structure-wise, whatever that may be, all we have to do is get a majority league vote. If the league votes and majority has it, whatever that change is asked for, it's now in, in place. So those are a couple of just basic things, um, you know, especially for a new commissioner looking to get into it. It can be kind of nerve-wracking, but once you get into it, you just – you just kind of go and you, you try to treat the league like it's really yours, like you would treat your own car, your own house. You want to take pride in it. 
Man, very well laid out. So here's the thing. Here's another thing I kind of want want to hear more about. What kind of incentives and pay structures do you, do you recommend for folks who want to be that elite, that Roger Goodell, David Stern kind of commissioner um, that keeps the managers engaged and involved throughout the whole process? This is a long season, and if the payout ain't worth it or the money is coming in slow and, and people haven't paid their fees and, you know, one year somebody doesn't get paid, that, that can really put a damper on that. So how do you keep that system tight? Why don't you share a little bit about how you keep your system tight? Absolutely, absolutely. So <laughs> that's one of the, the key principles that I missed in that first piece, finances. You have to collect those finances before you draft. There's no reason as a commissioner that someone should go into that draft without paying their entry fee. So I try to set mine up. For instance, we're drafting on the 30th. The money was due by the 15th, and we were able to get it all in. If you don't have those finances in, what happens is your managers begin to think that it's okay. Hey, I'm your friend. I can just slide it into next week or the week after. Now you end up with a problem. You end up having to shell out money or someone's not getting paid. So first and foremost, you've got to have your finances in order. So on the Yahoo or CBS, whatever site you use, there's a league finances page. Make sure you keep the dollars, the money in order, where they know exactly how much they put in, how much they owe, if there's anything that's owed, et cetera, et cetera. So that's first and foremost, um, getting the finances right. Now, the season, obviously, football is a very long season, right? So realistically, for most fantasy football regular season, you're talking 13 weeks. So if we're only playing for a, a, a prize that we get in week 13, well, when we get to week 7, if, if uh, you've got a couple of managers that are, that are two and four or two and five, well, as you know, they begin to tank, right? Well, I'm not going to win the money, so I might as well just give it on up. Again, that has a chain reaction, right? Because if you've got one or two or three managers that are tanking, you've got people fighting for that top position or to get into the playoffs. So what we right. did is we put a weekly incentive in place. So what we do is we take, um, you know, you've got your matchups, and whoever has the top score, who scores the most points as a team, they get rewarded a certain percentage of the overall funds. So let's say okay. it's $1,000 is the amount that everyone puts into play. We might break the playoffs, are awarded $500, and regular season we're giving out $500. And we're just breaking that $500 up amongst each week. Same thing on the playoffs. First prize, second prize, third prize. So you're just breaking your money out and just opening it up so you don't run into those situations in week 10, 11, 12. You've got managers just tanking. And because when you do that, now if you think about stepping back and looking at the, the shield, it's all about the shield. Now the integrity of your league has now saying because managers are mad at the commissioner because you've got three managers that are not updating their roster because they're already out, right? So, right. again, it goes back to protecting that shield, getting those finances right. And weekly incentives, I think, is a really good thing. We've, we've, been, um, we've, we've received a lot of positive uh, feedback in regard to the weekly incentives. So I really, really enjoy the weekly incentives. Man, it sounds like you've got this thing down to a science, and you've got this thing. you got the game laid quite flat, uh, to borrow from my man Biggie. Um, you got this laid out pretty well to keep people engaged, to keep people focused, and to keep people 
uh, on top of everything and keep it competitive. That's the real thing. I think people get into fantasy football because it's another way to compete. It's another way to engage with the game of football and the NFL, the league that we all love. So I like what you're doing. I hope the listeners out there got some great nuggets, some nuggets in there, and some jewels that were dropped. If you want to be a great fantasy uh, commissioner, Eric just laid out a great plan for you to get yourself started. Start up a league with your people. Invite folks who want to work on their game. They want to be elite fantasy managers. If you get, you got, and it's going to take a while. You got to weed out the scrubs. So he's been at this for a while, right? Now we want to let you do what you do. Um, beyond being a great commissioner, you know a lot about fantasy football. So me, I'm going to set you up. I got a bunch of different topics or categories, and I want you to give names of guys who fit into this particular category, and then me and D. Wills will react to what you give us. All right, that's how we're going to do Absolutely. this. So start okay. us off, franchise fantasy players. For this year going into 2014-15, who are your top six must-have guys? Must-have guys. Right, so there's a lot of ways to go about this. I've heard a lot of different drafting strategies, but that's for another conversation. But obviously, uh, I've got Peyton Manning on my first list, so I want you guys to respond to that. The reason I've got Peyton Manning down, not simply what he did last year, but uh, even if he falls short of what he did last year, and I personally believe he's not fall short of his last year numbers. If you go back a little little ways and kind of look at the last time he lost the Super Bowl, he went bananas that next season. So I, I, I don't believe he's going to surpass it, but I think he'll be right there with his previous number. So I've got uh, Peyton Manning as one of my must-have players. Okay. Now, Peyton, Peyton for me, um, I see why you got him up there. The thing with quarterbacks for me is that, especially the top guys, there, there isn't a whole ton of – unless a guy has a ridiculous season like Peyton Manning did last year or like Brady, I think, in like 2010 where he went bonkers. Um, unless a guy has a ridiculous season, there isn't much um, distance between, like, your number one guy and your number five guy, um, statistically. You know, those top four who have been the top four in the league for the last eight, nine years, you know, when you're talking about Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, Manning, and Brady, and statistically Brady is going in and out of that group but on the on-field production, you know, real-life production. He's right in there. But as far as fantasy goes, he kind of jumps in and jumps out depending upon the parts that are around him. Um, it, it, it's tough for me because it's, you, you can get a good. I always, I, I always operate by you get a, you can get a good quarterback late, load up everywhere else. You know, I was just sharing a story off air about the undefeated season I had, and you know, I got my starting quarterback in the 14th round, which just happened to be a rookie, Cam Newton, and he set the world on fire that mm-hmm. year. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, that's that's the rub right there. Jim Rose, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I think you know Peyton. A lot of, uh, you know, I think Peyton's a must-have, and, 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 and a lot of it will depend on how well Ball fills in. I think if if Ball can play to the you know, the way that, you know, for folks who watch him at Wisconsin, he has his home one threat that will force folks into the box in a way that is going to make Peyton effective, particularly in the red zone, because, you know, Denver, uh, one thing I think Peyton's matured over the years is using the running game in the red zone and using the running game to set up his passing game. And I think with, uh, with an effective player like Ball, I think Peyton, 
you know, becomes, a, you know, a, a potential to repeat. I mean, he had 44 TDs last year. He had, you know, uh, 4,877 uh, 4, uh, yards passing. So his production, I think, having that home run threat in the backfield um, and the fact that ball can catch out of the backfield, you know, does make him a threat, along with a defense that will probably give him the ball back in some key situations. But statistically, D, is Peyton that much better than the next quarterback? Your number two quarterback, is he that much better? Because, see, that's what makes a guy a must-have for me. Like, there's there about yeah, three but, running backs but, but you got to have. Yeah, After but that, would, it doesn't matter. But but I would say that when you look across, and, you know, we got Eric here, so he'll he'll probably do it. But, you know. Oh, yeah, he's going to weigh in. He's going to lay down a lot. A number of these positions, I think, I think um, because of the way people play, the top five at a lot of these positions are compressed. So I think you could say that mm-hmm. around receivers. I think you could say that around running backs. You know, when we first started playing fantasy, because um, we didn't have it, you know, they're almost playing it like, you know, uh, you know, like they're coaching like Westfall, where they're doing these exchanges and lineups and different things. But there were times where you just kind of rode your star. And I think you could see that across receivers yeah. sometimes, around running backs. In, in, I think across a number of these positions, those statistics are compressed. So uh, you could raise that same question across positions nowadays more so. But I think the one thing about quarterback, if you've got somebody that's consistent, you know, that's like having somebody who puts it in the bank every week at a high level. And I think Peyton will do that every week. Okay. Yeah, and I think okay. you hit it on the head. I mean, realistically, when you start looking at tiers for quarterbacks, I mean, you really got that, that first tier. You've got Manning, Breeze, and Rodgers. And outside of Rogers' injuries that he's had, I mean, he's right there. So the, that three, really that big three, can be right there. And if you take away all of the one-yard line tackles that those um, New England Patriot receivers had, they were tackled at the one yard, I believe it was seven times last year, uh, Tom Brady becomes a top six, seven uh, quarterback. So, right, so that, that drastically changes you know, where he sits as opposed to 12 or 13, he bumps up to seven with those, you know, six or seven touchdowns. So really the big three, and, and really you can step through this in, in each position. Um, so, you know, you've got your Manning, Breeze, your Rodgers. On the running back side, you've got Shady McCoy. You've got AP all day, obviously, and you've got Jamal Charles. I've seen uh, Forte in there. I've seen, um, you know, you kind of see some interchanges in there. I think the must-have on the tight end side is one that I see. I see a stretch from Jimmy Graham, a healthy Jimmy Graham. And, I, I, you know, you got your next tier, which is Gronkowski, and Gronkowski is that next tier because we don't truly know what shape or condition he's going to be in with the last couple of injuries that he's had. And then, obviously, Julian Thomas right there uh, as well. So I think Jimmy Graham, if you are looking for an elite tight end and you have to have it, that would be my must-have tight end if I'm going to shoot that high. But I think this question is kind of loaded because it all depends on your drafting style, right? So you can, I can make a case to go in and go running back heavy and try to get receivers late or quarterback late, or I can go in receiver heavy or, or you know, tight end heavy with receiver. So I think it really depends on your drafting style on must-haves um, but I know I need to have two of this elite group uh, out of the out of the six that I just named off. I need two of these players. Ideally, is what I want. Okay, all right. So let's let's roll into the next category: our meat and potato players, right? 
you, you need the Teddy Bears. These are guys you can count on week in, week out. They may not have those 150, 160-yard performances, but they, you're looking at 80 yards and a touchdown, you know, if this is a wide receiver or a running back. You know, if you're a quarterback, you're looking at 250 yards, two to three touchdowns, no picks on a weekly basis, meat and potato guys, not superstars, but they're going to give you great production. Who do you have in this category? Yeah, I've got a couple that kind of stand out. And uh, when I when I kind of looked at this, looking at the meat and the table, uh, potato guys or the, the guys that go to work, the blue-collar guys, right, they do the dirty work and may not get the, the, the superstardom from it. The first guy I think of is Vincent Jackson. So Vincent Jackson down in Tampa Bay, this guy just continues to deliver. And he's one of the more underrated receivers, right? His, his numbers are very consistent. So he's had five consecutive 60-plus reception, 1,000-yard uh, seasons, um, and at least seven touchdowns. So, I mean, the guy consistently puts up those numbers. He's not going to give you 100 grabs. Uh, he's going to give you your 120, you know, your 120 yards here because he called one or two bombs, and uh, he may give you a 50 of next week somewhere around there. But he's consistently putting up, you know, depending on your scoring, eight to ten points or so. So he's going to consistently be right there. Last year uh, he had seven touchdowns, 78 receptions, 1,224 yards. So Vincent Jackson is one that I look at and I say, you know, this guy just puts his hat on, he goes to work, and he just gets the job done. Right, so I really like him as a meat and potato guy. My other guy that I have, and again, it's a low, lower profile guy, and I think a lot of this is <laughs> might be due to his skin tone, and uh, and obviously Rogers was hurt as well. As I'm going with Jordy Nelson, so Jordy's not the sexiest pick in the book, and I think a lot of people overlook him um, just because he just doesn't, you know, he's he's just not a very sexy pick, but the guy just flat out gets it done. I mean, even with a up-and-down or, you know, injury uh, Rodgers last year, the guy put up 85 receptions and 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. Like, this guy just finds the end zone. And now with James Jones gone, that was the end zone guy. I think this guy's going to have even more touchdowns. So Jordy Nelson, I really like him. If you can get a Rodgers and, and Jordy Nelson combination, I think that's powerful as long as Rodgers can stay healthy. Uh, and then Vincent Jackson, I think, again, is just one of those guys that you could pick up you know, third round, maybe even into the fourth I've seen him going, and uh, he just delivers solid numbers. So those are two of the meat and potatoes guys. Okay. I like both of those guys. Um, and the thing I like about Vincent Jackson the most is that he's done it despite having shaky quarterback play. So he's a receiver that you can count on to get his numbers regardless of who's throwing him the ball. Some guys are very dependent Absolutely. upon but not even you're just not sure. Like, you're not sure, mm-hmm. you know, what, what you know, Reggie Wayne was – you weren't sure what Reggie Wayne was going to look like without Peyton Manning throwing him the rock. You know, yep. but he's shown that he can, he can play with Andrew Luck back there too, but that's also another high-level quarterback. But some guys you worry about. You know, Larry Fitzgerald is another guy who fits into that category for me of a guy who, regardless of mm-hmm. who's throwing him the ball, he's going to put up his numbers, and you can always count on that um, unless things are going really bad or he's hurt. Um, yeah. So I like yeah. both of those picks. I like I like those. So we got our meat and potato guys. We got Jordy Nelson. We got Vincent Jackson. Let's talk about the sleeper cell, right? These are the sneaky guys. These are the guys who may be under the radar, but by the end of the season, 
we're going to know who they are. You know, the Keenan Allens from last year, Jordan Cameron from last year, guys like that who going into the season weren't really on folks' radar, but by the end of the season, you wish you had to pick them up. You wish you hadn't got beat to the waiver wire by your arch nemesis, whoever that may be in your particular league, to get the right for that particular player. So who are those guys that you have for us this year? Yeah, absolutely. And when I looked at this, uh, the, the initial question, I was looking at guys that are going to go to that next level. So they're at a certain place right now. They're going to step it up to another level. And I, actually a nice transition, as you mentioned, Larry Fitzgerald, because I'm thinking of his partner in crime. So I think his partner in crime, Michael Floyd, the big guy down from Notre Dame, um, I think that he is going to surpass Fitzgerald as the number one receiver this year. Um, just kind of looking at uh, kind of what he did last year, he continued to get targets. Now, I, I, I see a shift kind of like the Alshon Jeffrey and the Brandon Marshall piece where Alshon is, is going to take over that role. I think Brandon Marshall is still the, the alpha uh, wide receiver out there, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey has definitely taken over the big guy, big hand. Same thing with uh, Michael Floyd. So last year he had uh, 65 receptions, a little over 1,000 yards. Um, but the guy just gets it done deep downfield. He averaged 14.6 yards per catch over the last couple of seasons. And those numbers right there, the 14.6, um, are better than A.J. Green, Dez Bryant, and his boy Larry Fitzgerald, who had 82 receptions and 954 yards. So I think this is the season for Michael Floyd. And I say that to say this. I see Michael Floyd as a top six or seven receiver in the league by the end of the year. I think he's going to have that kind of breakout season where he just catapults himself into the Dez Bryant you know, conversation. I think he's that good. So that's uh, one of my breakout candidates. The other guy I really like is a guy that's been a backup forever, and now he finally has a starting shot is Rashad Jennings over in New York. Mm-hmm. So Rashad is another guy. He's not very sexy. He is not sexy at all. He was he backed up Maurice Jones-Drew in Jacksonville, and then he went out to Oakland, and he backed up um, Darren McFadden, who's an injury-prone guy as well. Now you got both of those guys in Oakland, which is absolutely a mess. Please, no one draft those guys. Uh, but anyway, with Rashad Jennings, um, this guy, he now has an opportunity in New York, and he does have a rookie that's pretty explosive. But just looking at his running style, the guy catches very well out of the backfield, especially if you're in a PPR league. This guy has hands, and he can catch and he can move. So just kind of looking at him, he averages around four and a half yards per carry, about 1,100 yards total last year, and um, he's got a good opportunity. The problem with the New York Jets on top of Eli's lack of concentration or whatnot was they didn't have a solid running game last year. And so if they can really establish Rashad Jennings um, as that, uh, that running back, that giant offense will really improve. We'll see the emergence of Victor Cruz come back. We'll see, you know, Ruben Randall. We'll see him catch a couple of balls, et cetera. So we'll see an explosive giant offense, but it takes work. And I think Rashad Jennings is going to be the back for that. So keep your eye on Rashad Jennings for a breakout season. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say uh, he's a guy that I'm really targeting in the league. Uh, you can pick him up right around the fifth or sixth round right now. I think that's cheap for the value that he's going to bring by the end of the season. So my two sleepers. Uh, for breakout seasons, Michael Floyd and Rashad Jennings. Okay. Uh, I want to right, get your opinion on it is uh, Michael Williams. I mean, he's in Buffalo, and he's kind of had an interesting career path, but he's got some size. Uh, E.J. Manuel is another person that I, I, I supported a lot and got a lot of flack back. I, I, I watched the kid play, and I'm thinking, he can play at the next level, and 
you know, he was drafted as a first-round pick. Folks were rolling their eyes, but I, I think he's got something, but I think he needs a security blanket. And I think Michael Williams provides that kind of security blanket. And they demonstrated can move the ball, but being able to finish yeah. drives is something they needed to do. And I, I think he might be a sneaky pick given the, uh, his size. What do you think? I, I like him. I like him. I like him. I also like Sammy Watkins. I think that that offense just overall in Buffalo can click. There's things that are missing. Uh, you got the old man Fred Jackson still sitting there. This guy just will not retire ever. Uh, you got the explosive C.J. Spiller. Now they've got you know Bryce Brown there. Um, you know they've got talent there, right? So they moved the old man Stevie Johnson out the way, and so they've got a lot of young talent sitting out there right now, excluding Fred Jackson. And uh, if they can find a way to put this thing together, um, Buffalo can be very explosive. So I, I do like Michael Williams, and I also love. Um, you know, Mr. Watkins on that other side. So, uh, again, this is an opportunity for this Buffalo team to go to the next level. Sneaky pick, though. I like that. Okay. okay. I, think that's, I think that's a good pick, too. Um, a guy I kind of like as a sleeper this year, kind of take a jump, make a jump, so to speak, um, for me is Andre Ellington, um, running back for the uh, Arizona Cardinals, especially if you're in a PPR league. Um, I think he creates a lot of value. They're talking about doing a lot of things. They're giving him the ball a lot in Arizona um, offensively. Um, the key is health. He's a little guy. Um, the workload hopefully is not too much, um, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can make big plays when he has it, you know, given to him in the run game. Um, so that's a guy that I like to kind of burst on the scene this year and make a name for himself. And there's always one or two running backs who go later who show up at the end of the season and you're like, Don, I wish I took it. I, I should have taken that guy when I had the opportunity. Um, on to our next category, fool's gold. Yeah. Fool's gold. These are the players who look good on paper. Maybe they have a track record of producing, you know, but maybe it's a running back who's on the wrong side of 30 or who just ran out of gas um, or a receiver who changed teams and, you know, it, it had a big year last year but may not have a big year this year. Who are some guys you have in this fool's gold category? Guys with big names, look good on paper, but they're not going to produce the way you want them to this season. You know, again, uh, you guys set me up with this because we just talked about Buffalo. Uh, when you look at this, when you see the name C.J. Spiller, right, so some folks may have a bad taste in their mouth from last year, but when you just sit back and watch this guy play and what he does, he is extremely explosive. I've actually sat and watched the Buffalo Bills play football. I've sat and watched their games, not even the red zone. I've sat and watched the games. <laughs> when C.J. Spiller has the ball, and especially if you can get him in space, people, they can't tackle him. He's quick. He's fast. He can get you all the way to the four or the five-yard uh, line. And then you know what happens? Here comes Fred Jackson. Fred comes <laughs> in, he does a little two-yard dive, and he scores a touchdown and he just kills everything. So C.J. Spiller is one that I've got on this list for a couple of reasons. One, you know, when you, you know, just the attention that he draw, drew last year, I mean, he was a top ten pick, and uh, he obviously didn't perform. He had a high ankle sprain, et cetera, et cetera. He still was able to put up 933 yards, but only two touchdowns. So the, the thing about him is the fool's goal is you see the talent, you see what he can do when he's healthy and when he has the ball in his hand. The fool's goal behind it is two things. He hasn't been able to stay healthy is the biggest thing 
the guy just can't stay on the field enough. That's the first thing. And the second thing is freaking Fred Jackson. This guy won't go away. He continues to come back. He just signed for another year. I don't know what is it going to take to get this guy out. I've sat and watched football games when C.J. Spiller will get him all the way down the field to the one-inch line. They will pull him out and stick Jackson in for a one-yard dive. It baffles me. To make the situation even worse, they just signed Bryce Brown. They're adding another running back to the mix. Now, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, they're trying to, you know, get Fred Jackson on his way out, or there's either, either, yeah, either even rumors that Spiller may be on the trading block. So, again, this is one that's full gold. Do not buy into the C.J. Spiller mix. Don't jump into the sweepstakes. The name looks good. The talent is there. We know about it. But there's too many risks, especially if this trade rumor talk is halfway true. So that's my fool gold. All right. D. Wills, do you have a player who falls into your fool gold category? I like the Spiller pick. But for everything you just said, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, this is an interesting one because it's one of the top players you talked about. But he 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 has a he has a propensity for getting injured. It's Forte. Mm. Mm. So you know because people, I mean, he's so uh, he's enticing because of that offense and all the things he can do. But for anyone who's owned Forte, it's his numbers at the end of the season look impressive, but he ends up giving you bad losses that time. So you you miss stretches that might cost you in a season, and you almost have to build depth in for him. But at the end of the year, it feels like he's done something, but he, you, you've lost a key moment that might have cost you. Am I making sense? You are. I had him last year. I had him last year. That's why. I know what you mean. It's, it's not like – at the end of the day, they're like, what are you talking about? But you as an owner know – you know how he's hurt you. <laughs> you know, and that's the key. Like, everybody look like you got, you got, you got platinum on. You got the right stuff on. That's what you're talking about. But you know, you you it just don't fit right. You know it. And he is one that just kind of, you know, I was I'm a little shaky on him, man, just because yeah. he's killed me too many times. Yeah, you know me, what, the guy, was, before I'm you kinda... jump in, would you mind if I just say one more? Um, because you brought up an interesting piece, and it's the, the, the players that are not consistent. They post a lot of points, and they're, they're unable to effectively have consistent week in, week out, those 15 to 20 points a game. And I'll tell you, the prime example of that is Tony freaking Romo. Tony Romo, yep. he will finish the year as a top eight to nine quarterback every single year. I had this guy ready to put on this list today, but once I looked at his stats, I said, you know what, I can't put him on this list. This guy finishes like a top eight quarterback. But the guy, I watch Cowboy games. When, when, I, when I have a player, I watch him. And I'm talking about literally this guy had me ready to just punch the television on several occasions because not only is he so inconsistent, but he does unintelligent plays too often where it costs not only his team, but it costs me. And it's, he's one of those guys where I just can't draft him. And, you know, I can't, I can't do it, right? I'm singletary where I just can't have him on my team. I know he's going to post an overall good season, but – it's so inconsistent. There's so many bad plays. I just cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. 
Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw it in. I had to throw it in. My apologies, guys. Yeah, yeah, man. I hear you. I hear you, man. I had Romo last year as well, and I feel your pain. Um, I, I totally empathize with everything you just said. Again, you go, you get to the end of the season, you're like, he had that many yards. All I won yeah. was seven games this year. <laughs> Wait a minute, and he put up them numbers, and all he won seven games. <laughs> now you know how real cowboy fans feel. You know, everybody's telling Cowboys fans how great Tony Romo is by his numbers. You know, they look at his TBR over the last seven years. You know, they look at his uh, passer rating since 2007, and he's top six, top four, or whatever. You're like, we ain't got nothing to show for it, though. <laughs> that is Tony Romo in the next show right there. A guy oh, I wanted goodness. to throw out. A guy I wanted to throw out as a guy who I think is fool's gold this year. Um, for me is RG3. Um, I, I just, I think, I think there's the turnover in offense. Um, I think his style, I think he's going to be Michael Vick 2.0, 3.0, whatever, where he's just hurt a lot. He's going to play well mm-hmm. when he's on the field, but he's going to be hurt. And as you know, if you can't, if you ain't dressing, you ain't helping, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not shooting mm-hmm. up, then you're not helping my team. And I need you on the field contributing to my fantasy football team. And I just think folks that draft RG3 are going to be upset. Now, if he's your number two, I think you're in really good shape. If he's your number two quarterback, I think you're in really good shape. But if he's your number one, you better have a really good, dependable, reliable number two. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at a very, very long, hard, and frustrating fantasy football season. Mm. Yeah, like he could because he yeah because he he could he could take you like uh, like Cam took you man, or he could take you right down like uh, D'Angelo Williams takes Phil down the drain. Man, <laughs> 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 that boy Phil hates with D'Angelo boy. I can't even say his name around it. I feel still goes back to you. One segment that I want to get to, uh, the next one is fantasy coach killers. All right, fantasy football, coaches who kill your fantasy football team. You know, thank God that Mike Shanahan is not in the NFL mm. this year because if you had to deal with his situation, his running back situation when he was in Denver at all, it was just maddening. All right, so guys like that, the Shanahan's, um, Belichick and his backfield situation, guys like that where you just can't really get a read on who they're going to play from week to week. And it's with your own team. Who you got in this particular category? Yeah, you actually hit it on the head with Belichick. Uh, Belichick is really the guy that because of the way he does his running backs, two things actually with Belichick. So obviously the, the, the lack of clarity with the running back situation, um, which makes me uncomfortable with drafting any of the running backs, uh, maybe Shane Marine, but again, you know, if, you, if you're able to pick him up late in the draft, that's something else. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is Bill never reports what's wrong with his players. You never know yeah. what's going on with his players. And this is especially key for defense if you're playing in the IDP league. 
because if um, if Bill doesn't report what's going on with the defensive players, you really have no idea if they're going to play or not. So, you know, if a Tom Brady or something like that isn't going to play, you'll know about that well before the game. But for defensive players, if the coach doesn't say anything, you really have no idea. So you're starting an empty spot, basically. So you can count that as zero right there. So Belichick cannot just hurt you on the running back side, the running back by committee slash who's going to play this week, but also on the defensive side and how secretive he is. So those two things from Belichick really just uh, make me stay away from the defensive players on uh, on New England. Yeah, and for me in this particular category, I didn't have this year. I didn't have so much coaches that that bugged me. Belichick is definitely one, particularly with his running backs. Um, but for me, it were certain teams, just like entire offensive units, and I'm just like, I want no part of it. Oakland Raiders, I'm looking mm. at you. Mm. You know, mm. New York Jets, I'm looking at you. I want no. I'm not drafting <laughs> anybody off your unit, not a one. <laughs> And, you know, I don't, I don't want nothing. There's certain teams I'm just not going to put myself through it. You know, there's certain teams that you know are going to be inept on offense and going to have trouble scoring, and you don't want any guys from that squad. So there are a couple of teams, in particular the Raiders, the Jets, and then on the flip side in the, in the NFC, for me another team that fits into that category are the St. Louis Rams. I just don't want anything to do with those teams offensively. Um the, you know, the Raiders are just a mess across the board, but St. Louis and New York are defensive squads right now, and their offense is going to play to keep them to not lose the game. You know, they're going to play that Dilfer style, 2,000 Ravens offense, where it's just don't lose the game for us. You know, don't do anything where you put a, put the defense in a bad situation, keep it. You know, if you can step 13, we got a shot. You know, and I think that's how they're going to play. I don't think they're going to be a ton of points scored by either of those units. So those are some, there's some teams that I'm kind of like blacklisting this year. How do you handle the situation, D. Wills? Uh, you, you already know I don't talk about Shanahan. If there's any Shanahan's in the league, stay away from the running back. Stay away from <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they will kill you. I, mm-hmm. I'm with you on the team thing. If you don't have Drew Brees or Graham, I like to stay away from New Orleans. Like, because he, get, he, he spreads it out. If it's not Graham or just – you know, you, you benefit from him throwing a touchdown. Anybody can get the ball. You know, I, I, it down there. I mean, I've had teams that it's hard to predict on him. So if you have Graham, you're in good shape because he's going to hit him enough. And then, obviously, if he's the one, you know, he's going to score his share. But anybody else on that unit, you don't know how many targets they'll get the way he spreads the ball. And I think sometimes Brady kills you that way the same way, is that his success yeah. is he doesn't, you know, it's great if you're in a PPR because – Cats are gonna catch balls. <laughs> so if they don't, if they don't, mm-hmm. if they don't do anything else, they are gonna get receptions. But if you're not in a PPR league with those two quarterbacks, uh, they they will they will kill you in turn unless you get Gronk or unless you get Graham. They are gonna kill you. The running back, you you can't really judge them. You know, it's hard to tell what they are gonna do offensively. Yeah, Sean Payton fits into that. Sean Payton might be a coach when you really boil it down. Who? Since Deuce McAllister, he hasn't had a back that I've ever wanted to draft. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move right on to the next category. Too. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the next category. We've got rookies with an attitude. Um, these are some guys who they don't want to wait their turn. They're trying to get out there and put in work right away. Some young players, young rookies coming in. These are the guys that, you know, when you get to that sixth, seventh, eighth round, 
you're going to be looking at some of these guys who aren't proven, but they have high upside. Who do you got? Well, I got two guys. <clears throat> I've got uh, actually D. Will set me up with one, so I'll jump into Brandon Cook first, the new wide receiver toy for Drew Brees out of New Orleans. Um, I tell you, I agree with that logic that Drew Brees spreads the ball around so much that you have no idea who's going to be that particular target. Just kind of looking and, and hearing from camp, hearing from some of the players that are out there and hearing some of the news reports, they have been raving about Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard this kind of raving coming out of the St. Louis, or excuse me, uh, New Orleans camp since Jimmy Graham. Graham had some buzz well before the season. I'm hearing the same type of buzz coming um, out of the camp. So, you know, he's an explosive player. He's a, great, he's a, a young receiver, right? Um, but uh, he was the top wideout last year. You know, he won the, uh, won the awards for the, nation, the nation's top wideout uh, in college. So, I mean, he's a playmaker. He's got his speed. He can take advantage of, you know, that, that, that quick um, dome that they have out there, so how fast that is. So, I think he's going to be a vertical threat. Now, am I ready to say that the guy is going to be a big spender or a big hitter week in, week out? No. But I think it's someone that in the draft you can take a flyer on him, and I think he's going to pay off at some point because I think he's just that good. Again, mm. with, that much, um, with that much actual buzz going around, it's hard for me not to pay attention since the last time I heard it was some new tight end that's barely played the game, and he just exploded on the scene. So, Brandon Cook is one that I've got on my list, and then obviously Bishop Sankey coming um, into the Tennessee Titans situation. He is in an ideal situation. You've got a running back coming in. Um, you know, he's got the Mike Mack system, and the guy really steps into a spot where Chris Johnson left. And Chris Johnson was bad, right? Chris couldn't he couldn't hit the hole anymore. He couldn't since ever since 2K, the guy has just been like .5 or something. He just hasn't been there. He hasn't brought the <laughs> but he really he's got the he's got the ideal situation, right? He's only competing with Sean Green. So I mean, Sean Green has never been a threat to anyone in the league. I mean, Sean Green just isn't that type of guy. He hasn't been consistent. He's always overweight, et cetera, et cetera. So the guy has the ability to become a flex starter at some point. So I don't think he's going to come in and be an instant, uh, you know, an instant killer per se. But I think this guy is going to be someone that you want to keep an eye on. He's a starting running back. He'll get carries. Sean Green won't be healthy. Um, so those are two guys. I'll say Sankey and uh, Cooks that you want to keep your eye on. I think that they're both going to have. Okay, again, let me back up to Cooks real quick. I think Cooks is going to be one of those guys where at the end of the year you say, man, he made an impact. But game in and game out for the owner, you might say, well, he didn't deliver week in, week out. But mm-hmm. overall, I, I like these two young guys. I think they're going to make an instant impact, and they're going to have attitudes. Okay. All right. D. Wills, you got any rookies with attitude? I, I, I like that. Um, I, I also like uh, uh, the young man that's, uh, that, that, that seems to be some buzz uh, in uh, Carolina with the, uh, the rookie receiver over there. Uh, with Cam, and, you know, Cam has been hurting a little bit the weapons. You know, they he, he lose Smith, and then uh, he gains rookie. I'm trying to get his name again over there in, uh, in Carolina. But Kelvin I think, Benjamin. Kelvin yeah, Benjamin. Benjamin. He, he, uh, yeah. he, uh, he uh, I think, you know, he's going to get a lot of opportunity there because, you know, I think Cam, um, this is now becoming Cam's team. I think with Smith there, you always had Cam having to – prove that to that veteran. I think now the offense becomes his. Now he has this kind of young receiver. 
And I think Cam will be giving him some looks. I think he could be interesting just because you've got to pay attention to Cam in the box, which means he's going to have one-on-one coverage, um, you know, uh, a lot. And if he can play anything like they're, they're saying he can, he can deliver in camp, he's going to get some opportunities. Yeah, guy, I like, I like I like all the guys you talked about. All the guys you talked about have definitely been on my radar. Um, another guy who I want to throw out there for the listeners is Devontae Freeman, running back from the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons. Um, Steven Jackson, mm-hmm. it looks like he's hitting that age. Um, and we know running backs, they got an exp- expiration date tatted on them somewhere, um, and they're they just going to kind of go sour at some point, and they're just not going to have that thirst. They're not going to have that wiggle. They're not going to have that acceleration. And I think, unfortunately, S. Jacks may be there right now. And this may be it for him. And Freeman has looked good. He still has to show up some issues with his pass protection. But they like to throw him the ball in space. Um, he's good between the tackles. Uh, he may not – he may be a guy you got to stash. You pick him up and you just let him sit on your bench for a while. And then when Steve Jackson has the inevitable injury that he will have at some point this year, whether it's a hammy, um, you know, he's going to, you know, strain his bicep, eat cereal, something like that. He's going to get hurt. Um, <laughs> then Freeman is going to be the guy you want because I don't think he'll give that job back. If he, if, he gets, if he gets an extended run this year, I don't think Freeman gives that job back to S. Jax. I think X. Jax is going to be looking at next season trying to find a new home. Um, but I like Freeman, Florida State kid, off that loaded Florida State National Championship yep. team. Um, along with Benjamin, uh, he's the real deal. He's a good back. I think this time next year we're going to be talking about him as a potential first, early, second-round guy. So um, he's going to be a slow The other guy I would throw in there is Sammy Watkins. I mean, if anybody spent some time watching this kid play, um, he's ready for prime time. And I, I just think uh, because of the way that team's set up and – you know, with moving uh, Johnson and everything else. I mean, this is the kind of kid that's going to show out in cold weather just because if you ever see his hands, he can play. He's another guy that I think is going to make noise, and he's competitive. I think he's in a division where people are going to try and challenge him. I think he's competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what worries me with Sammy is uh, I just don't I don't trust I don't trust the whole setup of that offensive line with the quarterback. I think EJ Manning is going to spend a lot of time on his back. I don't think EJ Manning is a bad quarterback. I think if he if he can be upright, I agree with you. I think I think Watkins actually, for me, he, he moved. If, if, they, if they can get the quarterback in situation as far as the protection, if they can get that in order, Watkins actually moves up a ton for me. Um, but I just have a lot of question marks. If Buffalo um, has to fully uh, answer and address the issues of protecting their quarterback and open up to the running backs, if they that, that's going to be actually a playoff. In my opinion, I think they can sneak into the playoffs. They have enough talent at all the surrounding positions. I think they just have to do a better job of handling the business in the trenches and then E.J. Manuel do his thing. So we're going to keep it rolling. We have one more topic left in this particular segment. Again, we're here. This is the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We have the fantasy football guru from Eric Hamilton in the house. He's run down a whole bunch of information We've got a bunch of categories. He's laid out some names, giving you some guys to look out for, some guys to stay away from. Now he's going to give you some IDPs. Um, these are individual defensive players. If you're in an IDP league, this is the time 
that you want to make sure you listen to this podcast and make sure you you got your notepad out. I want to pause it, run and get some pen and paper because he lays it out better than anybody out there when it comes to IDPs. He's and I've heard this from other people who listen to the podcast who come up to me and be like, "Hey, Hamilton, I, I took Hamilton's advice. I'm in the IDP league. I picked up Luke Keekley. I mean, he's on guys before they become names. Now, Luke Keekley is a name now." Hamilton recommended him on these airways on this show before anybody knew who Luke Keekley was, right? So listen up. There you go, Hamilton. It's all yours. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I thought what I'd do, I mean, I think uh, if you play IDP individual defensive players, you know about the big three. I'll kind of run through the big three, and then I'll get into a couple of breakouts that I think that's uh, going to go to the next level this season. So, you know, when you look at the consensus best linebackers in the game as far as fantasy football, right, so you're talking about Levante David uh, out of Tampa Bay and then Luke Keekley out of uh, Carolina. Those are the two top consensus linebackers in the game. So if you're new to the game, just randomly pick those two. You'll be on fire. You'll beat anybody you need to. Now, on the defensive lineman side, I really like J.J. Watt this year for a bounce-back year. He had a solid year. Um but with the with the new rookie on his on the other side, um, I think that that's really going to open up some opportunity for JJ Watt to get loose. So just getting those top three out the way, those are the top three IDP players uh, that you can get in the league. But I want to get into something a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, lesser known players that I think are going to have breakout seasons. And so my first one that I'll talk about, I'll talk about a linebacker, then I'll talk about a safety. My first guy is. Um, Paul Warlow. Now, I called him Warlock back in the day because the guy, last time I was on the show, because the guy can flat out ball. But a lot of times at the linebacker spot, it's about opportunity. It's not necessarily about skill. So I say that to say in fantasy football, you can have a very um, mediocre guy that gets a lot of opportunity that grades bad in real football like Chad Greenway. But Chad Greenway is one of the top fantasy football linebackers. He's a top ten linebacker, right? So this gentleman right here, Paul Warlow, uh, he stepped in for Sean Weatherspoon that was injured last uh, last year. And the guy came in. He's an undrafted rookie out of Delaware, and he just came in with a splash. He made a bang, right? He came in. He had 19 tackles in his first game, right? So you would say, well, how can a guy not be talented? If you actually get into the game tape, if they were running to him because um, – you know, they they, they they seen weakness in him, and he was just right there, right? He had the speed to get there. He was always around the ball. He's not necessarily a good form tackler, but he was able to get in on those plays, and Atlanta Falcons, the home scorekeeper, is a little friendly. I'll get into more detail on another note on uh, the, the, the home scorekeeper's friendliness. Um, but I've got Warlow as my breakout player this year. <clears throat> Again, he's got everything laid out. Sean Weatherspoon is out for the season. So now you take a mediocre linebacker and you place uh, the opportunity in front of him. Again, he put up 19 tackles his very first game. He averaged a ridiculous 11 tackles uh, for the remaining eight games. So the guy can flat out get to the ball. Again, he is not a Keekly type of player. He's not a Levante um, David kind of player. He's not a, a major impact player, but he gets near the ball and uh, he is my breakout player for this year. Uh, right now, I think on most boards, he's in the top 25. I believe that this guy's going to finish in the top 10 by the end of the season. I think he's that good. Again, he's still low on the radar. Not many people know about him, so 
Heidi Pierce, go grab this guy. My second guy is a second-year player, safety out of New Orleans. And uh, this guy came on the scene last year, and he did pretty well. He showed some flashes of elite talent, but overall, you had your veterans like Roman Harper there, and, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to to get the old guy to move. So Malcolm Jenkins, um, Roman Harper, those two were there. So Kenny Vaccaro is a second-year player, and so this is basically his defense in the back half this year. And, again, as I mentioned, he was a first-round selection last year. The guy showed flashes of being elite, um, but with the two elder statements gone, this guy's going to make a potential. He's going to have DB1 talent. He will finish in the top seven DB scoring this year. He can flat out get to the ball. He makes plays, and he can pick up the ball pretty well. So, again, he put up um, right around 80-plus tackles last year. I anticipate him having 100 tackles this year. He's got an excellent position. Jairus Bird from Buffalo came over to uh, to New Orleans this year. So I think both of those guys are going to put up great numbers. And if you look at the history of New Orleans Saints um, safeties, they typically do very, very well, right? So if you look at Roman Harper, his history, he put up a lot of tackles. Why the scorekeeper just happens to be friendly. So, you know, New Orleans is one of those places where if you could pick up your Curtis Lofton, not that he's an elite player anymore for linebacker, and you can pick up, you know, this, this Kenny from uh, out of the safety position, they're going to get tackles. And, again, a lot of it is, is because of the scorekeeper, but I anticipate Kenny Vaccaro being a top seven safety this year, and I anticipate Paul uh, Warlock being a top five. I'm going top five. Top five linebacker in the game by the end of the season. That's how much I like Warlock. Dang. Uh, book it. Book it. He laid it out. I mean, I don't I don't really argue with him when it comes to the IDPs. I've never played in the IDP league. But, again, I've talked to folks who do, and the man's word is bond. I word is bond, son. <laughs> he lays it out. He lays it out. All right? He lays it out. So, you know, you can dispute it if you want to, but I take the man's advice and run and go get those cats if you can in your IDP leagues. So that'll do it for that segment. Man, Eric just broke it down, dropped a ton of knowledge, um, and really just hopefully he opened, he expanded your mind. He opened up your mm-hmm. mind and, 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 and let you see what's really out there. All right, we're going to pay some bills real quick, and then we're going to come back. You're listening to The Real Sports Guys. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right, fellas. During this segment, we drop down, we drop a name of somebody who's performed. They've had their dog meter way up for the last week since the last time we were on air. I'm going to start with our special guest, Eric Hamilton. You know how it goes. We need more dogs. Tell you what, I've got to go to, uh, I've got to go to some basketball here. Carmelo Anthony, 
This guy's coming ready to ball. He dropped quite a bit of weight. I've never seen Carmelo in better shape. The guy always looked relatively chubby, pudgy around the waist and around his arms and such. He's really, really dropped down his weight, and he's ready to play. I anticipate Carmelo putting up uh, crazy numbers this year. I think he's going to go to that next level. He's trying to build a dynasty, and he sees what Phil Jackson sees. So, Carmelo, much props to you. You're my dog of the week. Okay, okay. And, you see, D. Wills, that's always been my knock on Carmelo, is that I always felt like he could have done more to get himself in shape. He always looked a little, like you said, a little pudgy, you know, a little soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he got, that, he got that natural strength. He's one of those guys who's naturally strong. He's not uh, a weight room kind of guy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being that. But I always feel like if he put a little, if he could just put that little bit of time into the weight room and work it on his body, he could take his game to another level. I like that. I like that pick, Eric. I like that pick. D. Wills, who you got for us? I, I'm going with Ed O'Bannon. Um, you know, um, if you had a chance to hear his interviews uh, following um, uh, the outcome of this case, and yes, there's going to be an appeal, but, you know, just the way he's approaching it um, and, you know, all the flack he's taking, but I just love his mindset and, and what he's adding to the mix. So Ed O'Bannon uh, is my dog of the week, and uh, uh, I love it. Okay. All right. And for me, my dog of the week is Monet Davis, the young lady who is striking cats out <laughs> at the Little League World Series, uh, playing for a team out of Philadelphia. She's putting in work, throwing the ball 70 miles per hour. Uh, wow. Wow. So shout-out to Monet Davis for holding it down against the boys. Uh, definitely rooting for her squad to keep it moving. And then Team Chicago, rooting for them to keep it rolling in the little, little, little League World Series. Excuse me there. All right? So now we're going to talk NFL. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Fellas, we got about 10 minutes left, about eight minutes of showtime. We're going to talk NFL, make some predictions. So we're going to do this rapid fire. All right? We're going to get through this. All right? I'm going I'm to drive the car. We're going to get through this. So first, all right, each of us will go. Let's go division winners, all right? Eric, who do you have winning the four divisions in the NFC? Go. I've got Eagles, Bears, Falcons, Seahawks. All right, mm-hmm. Eagles, Bears, Falcons, Seahawks. D-Wheels, who you got? I got Eagles, 49ers, Bears, and Carolina. Mm. All right, I'll drop mine. I have the Bears, the Eagles, Seattle, and New Orleans. All right? So it looks like there's, there's some congruence there. Um, we're pretty close. Now, who do you got in your championship, uh, Hamilton? Championship, I've got uh, Seahawks going back. Who are they playing in oh, the championship Seahawks, game? I'm sorry. Se- Seahawks playing uh, the Falcons going back. Okay. All right. D. Wills, who you got? I got uh, the 49ers against the Bears. All right. I got Seattle versus New Orleans, and I got New Orleans going. All right. And I got San who's your, going. Mm. Who's your offensive and defensive MVP in the NFC? Hamilton. Offensive MVP in the NFC, I've got, uh, I've got Adrian Peterson and uh, defensive player, uh, I don't have a defensive player offhand. I got to come back on that one. I got to think about that one. Okay. All right. Do will. Uh, 
for uh, offense, I got Colin Kaepernick, uh, which is a surprise. Uh, I think they're going to yeah. expand and let him uh, and let him uh, 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 do his uh, do his thing on 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 there. Uh, and uh, uh, defensive player uh, uh, for uh, uh, for the NFC is I, I got our guy, Mr. Mouth over there, the corner, the guy who sent Seattle to the championship. The man who's mm. on front of all the stuff out there. That's too my. I'm not even gonna say your name. I'm gonna say you know who he is. Just go look at EA. Look at the front <laughs> of the book. I, 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 he coming back okay, again okay. from Stanford. From Stanford. <laughs> all right. So you going Richard Sherman? All right. My offensive MVP. I got three. I think New Orleans is gonna have a big year. You know. I think he's gonna put up some real great numbers. You know. They got a ton of weapons. Brandon Cooks. I think it's going to be a big weapon out there. Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colson, I think it's going to regain his form. I like what they got in New Orleans. I think they're going to be the team to beat out in the NFC. Defensively, I'm I'm in the same backfield, same unit, D-Wills, but I'm going with a different player. I'm going with Earl Thomas. I think Earl Thomas yeah. really sets the tone for that, for, defense, for that lead in the boom. Um, I think he's going to be in the mix enough in the run game and possibly pressure on the quarterback. Plus, in his game, what he's going to do in coverage, I think he's going to have that complete resume to be defensive player here in NFC. All right, let's go AFC. We're going, we're going rapid fire. AFC, division winners, Hamilton, who you got? I've got the Colts, Broncos, Patriots, and Bengals. All right. D. Wills, who you got? I got uh, uh, New England, Pittsburgh, Houston, and Denver. Houston? Wow. <laughs> you know who their quarterback is? I didn't is? see that one coming. You know who their quarterback <laughs> is, is, is? I, I understand. You know who his quarterback be, is? Because I don't. I, I, I don't matter. <laughs> I, I think. I think. I, I think. They I don't think they do this, either. <laughs> they, they went in this on defense. Okay. 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 Mm. All right. I I'm a, I got the same list as Hamilton. I got Cincinnati. I got Indianapolis. I got New England, and I got Denver. Um, that that AFC North was a real hard division to pick. I just want to throw that side yeah. note in. Um, yeah. Hamilton AFC Championship game. Who do you got in it? Who you got winning it? Championship game. I've got New England Patriots versus the Denver Broncos. With the New England Patriots winning the matchup. Okay. All right. All right. D. Wills. Who do you have? I got Denver versus Pittsburgh, old-fashioned AFC championship, with uh, actually with Denver winning, uh, back going back to Super Bowl. Okay. All right. And I have Indianapolis versus Denver with Indy pulling it out. All right. So your Super Bowl yeah. matchup, Hamilton, sounds like you got Seattle and New England, correct? Yes, that is correct. And D. Wills, your Super Bowl matchup, you have – who do you have San coming out of San Francisco? San Francisco against Denver. And Denver. That's old school right there. I remember those days, San Francisco, Denver. All right, and I have New Orleans versus Indianapolis. All right? So, Hamilton, who you got winning your matchup? New England Patriots get back to the Super Bowl and actually win this time. They end the draft. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. No Spygate? No Spygate? No spike gate. You know, it's been hard on the page to do spike gate. <laughs> All right, see Wills, your matchup, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Denver Broncos. 
Yes, and a Harbaugh does it again. San Francisco does it. Manning walks off the field with his head down, and uh, mm. Kaepernick uh, concludes the the, the 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 trifecta for this stuff. So that's how it goes. I'm 49ers. Okay. All right. Mine, I have the New Orleans Saints defeating Andrew Luck in his first Super Bowl appearance. Um, now, I want to say I did get this right last year. I called Seattle and Denver and Seattle winning it. I called that last year. Check the tape. I did check it. Um, I will have it queued up next week. Um, but I did check the tape, and I did have that right. So don't slip on New Orleans versus Indianapolis in the Super Bowl for 2015. All right? That'll do it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG. Big A Radio, brought to you by Fredericton County, brought to you by XL Academics, brought to you by On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois, and into shout out to LR, our mainstay, our day one, as the young folks like to say, uh, holding us down, keeping us going, keeping the lights on in here. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Till then, peace. studio my, my regular phone wasn't working <laughs>